I remember the first time, the first time that I, rem- that I was taught about who Jesus really is. I remember it. And I'll never forget that moment. It was 2009 at a men's breakfast. And a group of ours, we were at Crossroads, and a group of men had come back from uh, 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 an outing with all the men, and there was this guy teaching. His name was Albert Tate. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He's really become super famous now in the Southern California area. Anyways, everybody was like, dude, when this guy spoke, heaven was like existing. And it was like, I had to work at the church, so I didn't get to go. So it felt like I missed out. And I really felt like, oh man, I I wish I could have heard this guy. And they got this guy. I don't know how he came to Camarillo, but they brought Albert Tate to our church and he spoke at a men's breakfast. And and here's what he did. Now, remember, this is like a long time ago. I'm like three or four years into ministry. I'm judging everybody still. And I'm only about five or six years into Christianity. And I'm thinking about how people speak and what kind of pastor am I gonna be? And so I look at this guy and he opens up the Bible and he says, all right, let's turn to Psalm 23. And I'm like, really, bro? Psalm 23, we all know that verse. How are you gonna teach me anything new about Psalm 23? Kind of arrogant, right? Well, welcome to Journey. Um, (laughs) And so he starts with Psalm 23 and he says this. I don't know if you guys know the text. It says, the Lord is. And he stops. And I'm like, okay. And he says, the Lord is. And he stops again. And then he started to speak about who the Lord is. He says, you guys know that the Lord is Jesus Christ, right? Right? Okay, just making sure I'm in the right building here. So he says, the Lord is. You guys realize it's Jesus Christ when he says the Lord is, right? And everybody said, yeah. And he goes, he is master. He is the word. He is the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the son of David. He is. And I was like, wow, never stopped there before and thought about who the Lord is. And listen, it went on and on for the next five minutes. And then I'm judging him. It's like, dude, are you going to ever go to the next verses, right? And then it kept going on 20 minutes and he's saying, the Lord is the Alpha and Omega and he would explain the beginning and the end. And then he was talking about, he is the bread of life and he would explain what the bread of life is. He would talk about the author and perfecter of faith and he would explain what that was. The light of the world and for 42 minutes, he talked about who the Lord is. It was incredible. And after about judging him for 20 minutes, going, dude, there's so many other verses you gotta get to the executive pastor comes up to him and kind of goes from the back. You've got five minutes left. And he's like, five minutes? I haven't even got to the second half of the verse yet. (laughs) And he was going to teach all Psalm 23. And I was so blown away because in my narrow mind, I'm looking at there's no way you can preach about the Lord is. Psalm 23, the Lord is all that I need, all that I have all that I want. He's teaching us and for 42 minutes all he taught about who the Lord is. Do you guys have that in your relationship? Who is the Lord to you? And at the very end he said this, the Lord is my money. Everything that I have and I receive comes from the Lord. And then he said, the Lord is my marriage and he was newly married with a couple of kids and it was, if you know, if you're there, it's hard to manage family and kids in ministry 
And then he says, the Lord is all the material things that I have. Possessions, cars, houses, apartments, whatever it was. And then he said, the Lord is my mess. And I'm like, how? How can you put the Lord in your mess? And then finally he said, and so the Lord is my world and I shall not want. And he said a joke about uh, our type of church and he says, I could go on for another three hours and I believed it. The Lord is. It was the most incredible message I've ever heard and I look back on it and I'll never forget it and I hope you guys have a similar experience. Welcome to Journey. We are in a new season. We are expecting new things from God to happen and, and does anybody know the theme? Thank you. We are on a church. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm on staff. I'm super grateful that I get to be one of the pastors. But listen, you guys need to know, our senior pastor, maybe you know him. His name is? Because he is in charge of the church. He has all power and authority over everyone in this room, including me and our board and our staff. We believe this is the senior pastor. So when I say I'm one of the pastors, this is not my church. This is Jesus's church, and this is our church. Amen? And as we are coming into a new season, and I know some of you are like, yeah, NFL. No, not NFL. <laughs> and trust me, I'm a football fan. I get it. We are coming into a new season that we are going to go back to what Jesus did, which is we are going to ask you guys to become the marketing agents for our church. So we've got Jesus shirts out on the deck. If you guys want to, go to the resource table. There are a couple bucks, donation if you want. We also have signs, and we are going to ask people to pick up a sign, and if we run out today, we'll have more. We've got 100 signs available, some today, more next week. But we've got front and back. This one's only got one, but if you put the phone over the QR code, it comes out to Jesus, and it shows you our church. We are going for the next 12 weeks to ask you guys to get a shirt, to get involved, and and to be the marketing agent for the kingdom of God. We believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is so good that someone could see a sign and get saved by Jesus Christ because of who he is. And so we're not doing any great marketing campaigns through Google or Facebook, which we've done before. We are going to trust in God and the people that he has called us to be. And so we are so grateful. Again, Resource Center at the end of service, we'd love for you to be a part of this. We're doing things different because God is on the move and doing something different, and so why not join him? And so today, what we are going to do is we are going to go through uh, this sermon series called Jesus Is. And so if somebody new walks into church, they're going to hear a message about who Jesus is to them and who he is to the word of God and how we can live it out. That's the purpose of this sermon series, about giving away Jesus to them so that they know that Jesus is. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I need to impress God. Anybody feel like, oh man, I, I feel like I need to do some impression. But listen, we're not to impress God. We are to bless God by who we are. Our job is not to impress him. Listen, he knows he's great. And he knows who you are. Our job is to bless God. Do you know how we bless him? By our willingness to maybe put one of these in your front yard or put it at your work or put it on the freeway wherever you want to do it just don't get arrested please 
If you do, call Jeremy. His number's 805-233. Just kidding. Here's what we want you to do. Jesus wants you to choose him for who he is. And I believe that we are going to fill this church over the next several months because we are on a campaign to promote Jesus above anything else. Our hope is that this community and this county and this country will realize that Jesus is the answer to everything. He is our hope. He is our love. He is our joy. As Albert Tate says, he is. And that's why we're here today. And I'm so grateful that you're here. So for the next 12 weeks, we're going to open up the gospel of Mark. Now, we're not going to go systematically through it. But we are going to go through it expository where we're going to teach about what the gospel of Mark says about who Jesus is. And today, you know what we're going to talk about? Jesus is empowering. So we're going to open up Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, why? Sorry, that was a little convicting, but hopefully you guys will bring your Bibles. And now, I don't know, I love to do outlines. I was always taught when seminary, you open up a chapter, you open up a book, and you do an outline, and you look at subtitles, and you try and make categories so that your brain can understand what the gospel or the message is telling us. And so here's what it says. It is the outline. Uh, the first 11 verses, and I'm going to read all 11 of them, or most of them, who is Jesus. The second part of Mark chapter 2 talks about the authority of Jesus. And really, our message is from 16 to 20. That's all we're really going to focus on and teach through. And then the, the last part of Mark and the beginning of Mark uh, chapter 2 is the power and, 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 uh, and the presence of Jesus. And so we're going to begin today in Mark chapter 1. We're going to try and understand who Jesus is. And here's some questions I want to ask. What does empowering mean? I hope you guys will get that answer in a second. Why does he empower us? And how does he do it? That's, those are the three questions I think you should have answered. And if you don't, come and see me after and go, dude, you didn't answer them. What are the answers? So those are the questions. So the first part is, what does empowering mean? Empowering is such a simple or basic definition. I didn't even put it on the screen. But the idea here is it's so basic and simple that I want to make sure you get it. So let me say it to you a couple times. Empower means to give someone authority or power to do something. Um, at one point I asked Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, can you go to the jail and marry someone? Can you, I'm going to empower you to do a marriage. Just kidding. He did go to a jail and did a marriage because they don't let me in the jails anymore. Uh, so I'm like, can you represent us and our church? And he did a wedding there. And the idea of empowerment is, hey, can you go to this place and represent me and do the work and will that I'm asking you to do? And that's what the idea of empowerment really is. And I want you to understand it. So what is empowering? It's giving someone the authority or power to do that. Go on my behalf and do what I'm asking you to do. That's the idea of empowerment. So let's see who Jesus is in Mark chapter 1. I'm just going to read a few verses so that you get context, and then we'll, we'll begin. It says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. That's who he is, the Son of God. Again, that's who he is. And it began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, 
Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord's coming, clearing, clear the road for him. And so that's who John the Baptist is. This is where he's called. And then it says, this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness. He preached that uh, the people should be baptized and to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, for he ate Topper's Pizza. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, Topper's is popular. He ate locust and wild honey. So here at the beginning of the text, we're opening up our Bibles, we're looking and we're seeing who Jesus is. First it says he is Messiah and that he is the Son of God and you're gonna see a little bit later that it even claims more than that. But we're seeing who Jesus is and who is this forerunner? Who's going before him? And his name is John the Baptist. And so then it, be, then it says John announced someone, John had a group of disciples. He had his little church going on and he had a group of disciples and he said this, he says, Verse 7, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. There's somebody coming, and this is who he is. He's greater than I am, so much greater than I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Spirit. How's the Holy Spirit doing in your life today? We could just sit here or we can let the Holy Spirit work. We need the move of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that I'll baptize you with water and I will. So will Jeremy. So will Kim. So will anybody. But the Holy Spirit wants to have a Holy Spirit experience with you that takes over mind, body, and soul so that you can get out of the way. And you can do the work and will of God. And that's what we talk about, empowering. So let's pray. Father, I fan into flames your spirit today. I pray that Jesus becomes everything to us. The hope of the world for all to see. I pray that you do a miracle online right now by bringing someone into salvation, by healing them and freeing them and and I pray that you open up our hearts to truly understand in this church today who Jesus really is. I pray someone walks away with an impression, a tattoo of Jesus on their soul and on their heart so that they'll never forget that Jesus is Lord over all. Holy Spirit, it's your job right now to do the work and will of the Father. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. amen. So God has sent John to prepare the way the Bible says in the New Living Translations to clear the road. And so now the road is cleared and now Jesus is coming into existence in the sense of he's coming into ministry. He's been alive for 30 years and now he's beginning his ministry, what he was built for, what he was made for, what he was gifted for, and that is to change the world one person at a time and do it powerfully by the same spirit that he's leaving us today. So Jesus 
is empowering. And I hope that kind of is the feeling that you have. And so here's kind of the story. I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit. But John the Baptist one day sees and says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. And his disciples look at him. And then Jesus comes up to him and he says this. He says this. Again, I'm just paraphrasing. He says, you must baptize me, John. And John says, no way, no how. Do you realize I've been in church 25 years and I can't teach children's ministry? I'm not qualified yet. John the Baptist, he says, Jesus says, hey, I want you to, uh, to baptize me. And he's like, no, I've been in church 10 years and I, I, I can't set up and tear down yet. No way, no how, I'm not qualified. You know how many times the enemy tells us we are not qualified and God says the opposite? John the Baptist is saying, I'm not worthy to tie the shoes. And Jesus says this, brother, you need to baptize me. This is the will of God. This is the righteousness of God. And you know what John says? Okay. And I don't know if you know the story, but catch this part of the story. Jesus' first empowerment is through John the Baptist saying, I need you to baptize me. And it wasn't a webinar for six weeks. It wasn't, you know, going to seminary and, you know, doing all these things. John just accepted what God had told him to do. And he did it. Instantly, immediately, John baptizes him. So the first person that is empowered in the gospel is John. Do the work and will of God. And so he baptizes Jesus. And then in, in Mark 10, Jesus comes out of the water. Heaven splits open. One of my favorite parts, there's a dove that comes down and it rests over Jesus. And then most of the people heard, this is my dearly loved son who I'm well pleased. Others heard just the rumbling like we did a couple of weeks ago during the hurricane. Because some people couldn't hear the voice of God. Our job at this church is to help you hear the voice of God, hear the, follow the spirit of God and, and, and live for the kingdom of God. Let's continue reading. So now Jesus has been tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. The Holy Spirit, I don't know if you guys know this. I, I do a lot of this when I talk about baptism, but it says that the Holy Spirit leads him into temptation. Right after he's baptized, the Holy Spirit leads him into temptation. It's not the enemy the Holy Spirit goes out for 40 days and it says he leads him into the wilderness and in that there's, there's, there's temptation. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to help us work through that plus. He's not to tempt us and to go against God. He is, he's, he, 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 it takes him to places so that we can glorify God. And verse 14 says this, later on John was arrested and Jesus went to Galilee where he preached the good news. Do you guys know this, that the Lord is good news? I can hear Albert Tate. The Lord is the gospel and he is good news. And that's all we should hear week in and week out that Jesus is Lord and he is the good news. The good news is that he came for us and he died for us and he rose for us and he left us a spirit that we can live for and do wonderful things in. That's the good news. Amen. And this is what it says, verse 15. Jesus says, the time has come the time promised by God has come. And don't you believe it's here today? If we don't need God over the next 14 months as we head into an election season, when are we going to need him? Are we going to be a uniting factor? 
And then it says this, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe in what? The good news, which is Jesus Christ. He is the good news. That's who he is, and that's why he is here. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to give us a purpose and to give us an eternal place after this life. But he's so much more than that as well. He is our hope. He is our, he is our joy. He is our redeemer. He is our, 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 our second, uh, our afterlife. He is the Holy Spirit. He heals us. He teaches us. He grows us. He is everything that we need him to be and more. And the problem is most of us just accept him as, ah, the guy I go to Sunday and celebrate every once in a while. And he's so much more than that. Okay, so now we get into the four verses that I want to get to, and really it's going to be boiled down to one, but this is the empowering verses. It says this, one day after he was tempted and the Holy Spirit provided and gave him bread and did all the stuff that he needed, he says one day after all of this was done, Jesus is starting his ministry. He says he was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful place. He saw Simon, which is Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. What do we call them? You guys are even questioning that. I don't know, maybe a fisherman? Jesus called them, uh, called out to them, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets, most of your translations say immediately, and they followed him. Now, I've been so blessed to go to Galilee three times. And this last time as I was taking a group of people, I told a bunch of people, I'm like, hey, Galilee is one of my favorite parts and it goes really quick because we're kind of getting our time straight and it's an amazing place and Jesus does a lot of work in Galilee and we're going to wake up and be in Jerusalem and go man Galilee was really cool I wish I had a little bit more of my function there but when we're walking the Sea of Galilee and we're on the ocean uh, on the Sea of Galilee in a boat worshiping man there's something so beautiful about it and that's where they're at. They're in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this, not this trip, but the trip before when we were bringing in our boat uh, on the Sea of Galilee. There was literally fishermen with nets still fishing that same area. It was incredible. And I was like, wow, this is like the days of Jesus. There's still people with nets in a small boat. This one had a little motor, so it was a little different than Jesus. But the idea is, is it was an incredible thing. So one of the ways that the gospel comes alive to us is to you to jump in the story. So can you do, a mo can you close your eyes for a moment? And I want you to put yourself on the, so on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and then imagine that you're at work. Whatever you do. You're at work, you're on the Sea of Galilee. And then all of a sudden, open up your eyes, you see a man. His name is what? Jesus. His name is Jesus. They don't really know who he is. But they see a man and he says this, Hey friend, follow me. And this brings you to a choice. Somebody needs to make a choice in here today. Someone online is devastated and has only one choice. But someone in this place needs to make a choice. And here's the choice. Do I or don't I? Should I or shouldn't I? Isn't this God... And his message every day to us? Should I read or shouldn't I read? Should I follow him or should I follow myself? 
Isn't this the essence of who God is to us? It's like, am I going to follow him today or am I going to do my own will again for the 340 day of the year? This is the big part of God. And I'm feeling that we need to start walking through this together as a church. Do I or don't I? God is or God isn't. There's no in between. He either is Lord or he's not. He's a lunatic and he's a liar. And you've got to make that decision. And you've got to be able to help someone else make that decision in the sense of, hey, come to church. Come to my community group. Today's the last day to sign up and have an impact. Mark is about action. I love Mark. The book of Mark, uh, Jeremy uh, taught about this uh, several years ago, the book of Mark, but Mark is about action. And I don't know if you guys have ever texted me. I really, I'm trying to get better, but I like to answer in one to three words or less. It's really an art. The problem is it creates a lot of confusion. A lot of times uh, somebody will send and say, do you want to do this? And then I'll say yes. And they're like, okay, but which one? I gave you three answers. And I'm like, uh, how do I do that in less than three words or less? So Mark is very concise and it's about action. It's about being immediate. And too often we take something that needs to be dealt with immediate and we put it on the back burner. My daughter and I have um, a little bit of ADHD and you know what they say with people who have ADHD and I think the church today has ADHD. You know what they say? Count to five and do it, right? Hey, honey, can you go clean the room? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that in a minute. And I'm like, do you know what they're teaching people with ADHD? Go five, four, three, two, get up and go do it because you'll never get it done because you will forget because a squirrel came by and distracted you. And that's what Mark is trying to get us to the immediately. In the gospel of Mark, 41 times, it says this word immediately. It's in the Greek, so it'll come out in different ways. But if it says 41 times in 16 chapters, what does that mean? It's important. And we need to take this seriously. And maybe there needs to be immediate action on our part. So the key to empower, or Jesus' empowerment is verse 17. Here's what it says. Jesus called out to them, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Again, maybe you've heard this uh, sentence in your life for 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years, not to age some of you. But go back to where I was when I listened to Albert Tate talk about Psalm 23, the most famous passage in all of the Bible, and he talks around two words. One sentence in this text says everything that we need to know about Jesus empowering us. So relook, put away what you know, and receive what God has for you today so that you can receive the empowerment that he wants to give you. So where, what is the empowering part in this message? It's the call. You know, when I became a pastor, I had a friend, his name was Steve Ogney. He lived about six houses down on my parents' street. Great man of God, planted over 500 churches. He was coined uh, to actually start the house church or the, 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 the small groups or community groups, what we call them, back in the 70s in Southern California. That was his claim to fame when we went to his funeral. Anyways, Steve Ogney, when, he, when we talked about me and my relationship to Jesus, I was telling him the story and how God had, you know, kind of reached me in jail and stuff. And he says, brother, do you know that God has a call on your heart and soul? That was one of the first conversations. And let me tell you, 
If you're here today and you believe in Jesus, do you realize that you have a call on your heart and soul? You have a call. And nowadays, we don't even answer our phone. I have to text. Hey, Jeremy, can I call you? Pause, 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 pause. Pause, pause, pause. And he responds in a minute or two. Yep. But you have a call. That's the empowering part of the message. You have a call, and God wants you to answer the call and then fulfill the call. So the first part of the empowering is choosing me, Jesus, and or am I going to choose something else, myself? Are you going to choose Jesus so that he can fulfill you and empower you, not just for today, but for the rest of your eternal life? And too often today including myself, preach a message about check the box, come to Jesus, accept him, and all is going to be well. And the truth is, it's more than that. It's an answered call every day, choosing him and allowing him to work every day forever and always for eternity because my life doesn't end on earth because I'm a part of God's plan and I have an afterlife that will be with him in eternity. And we all are going to be eternal beings. One is just going to be in the high place and the other place, a low place. And it's a choice. Jesus is empowering. And here's the question. God's will, Jeff's will. Now, don't think about God's will and Jeff's will. Think about God's will and your will. What choice when you answer the call, what am I going to do today, God? My will, your will. Living in your power or living in my power? My power gets me arrested and locked up and losing everything and breaking relationships that I had with my children and family members. God's will gets me out of the seats and into a stage preaching about the good news and living for the kingdom of God, making a far, a far amount making less money and living better than I ever had. How is that possible? Amen. I used to make in the 90s hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and I live way better today than when I do there and I make not that much. It's enough. I'm not saying I need a raise. What I'm saying is I live on way less and God has given me way more. And that's because we answer the call. When he talks about these fishermen, he's talking about common people. No credentials. I don't even have my wallet on me. He's not looking for someone with credentials or status. He didn't go to the governor. He didn't go to the mayor. He didn't go to the, Romans, the, the Roman leadership or the uh, Sanhedrin, the Jewish leadership. He went to the lay people. Why? Why? He's going to you and I so that we can carry the message because those people in power are going to say it's about them. And he wanted a bottom-up theology. It comes from everyone, and it will reach the top. And when the apostle Paul gets to Rome, it reaches the emperor. That's how he works, and that's how he empowers us. God's will, my will. These fishermen came with no credentials. Jesus chose them not because of who they were, but what he could do through them. They were a blank canvas. 
If you've ever hired someone, if you've ever been in the position to be able to hire someone, here's what I found out. If you hire someone that's come from a company that's got all this experience and stuff and they've been there for 20 years, they come with a preset idea of how they need to do work and that might not fit your company. Jesus goes out and looks for a blank canvas and says, these guys have done nothing. They're good people. Let me take this blank canvas and watch me paint a beautiful life and show that the Lord is. Does that make sense? So the, the what is the call? Why? Why would Jesus want to empower you? I mean, you. What about you? I mean, I, I ask this question a lot. I mean, you guys, I got a past that t tends to want to haunt me in my past and so I have to constantly say that's not who I am that's what I did it doesn't define me and so I have to capture that thought my sister taught on that a couple of months ago I have to capture that. that's what I did it's not who I am but why does Jesus want to empower us he wants to give you a purpose he wants to give you a purpose and I don't know if you guys have a purpose sometimes we just come to church and it's like well coffee worship hopefully they play my favorite song if not ah, it's not a great day jump in the toppers line jump in the in and out line jump in wood ranch line whatever line you're going to jump into you're going to jump into a line after here and the idea here is there's more than life he challenges us to follow him every day for the rest of our life every day and I don't know if you guys remember this I do Easter message 2023 about six months ago I said if you read your Bible four times or more your life will get better less drinking less pornography less struggle if you read your Bible four times or more the way that I try and choose Jesus every day is I open up his word and I read and then when I get in my car I turn on his worship music and if you've ever seen me driving sometimes I'm bawling because I'm listening to a song and knowing that know that God is speaking to me through that music and I'm choosing to follow him and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back I'm trying to show you it's possible because I'm a knucklehead and I make a lot of mistakes but in God he Absolves that. Does that make sense? He helps me through that and carries me beyond that. That's how he empowers us. And then the way that he wants, he says this. He says, follow me. Follow me. Again, think about Albert Tate. The Lord is. Now he's just saying to, me, to you and to me, follow me. And what is he saying? With this invitation, he's showing that Christianity is about following Jesus and who he is. That's it. At the root, Christianity is not about theological systems or practices or denominations or roles or even helping people. At the root of Christianity, it's about following. And God puts people in your life that are examples of how they follow Jesus. As a pastor, my call is to do this. Follow Jesus and tell people, hey, it's possible to follow Jesus. Look at, I'm trying to do it every day. That's all I can really do. That's the best message I can do. Not what I say on stage. It's what I do outside. Follow Jesus and show that obedience is possible. Because if I can do it, I promise you, it's an act of God. He's challenging us. Follow Jesus because Jesus is life. He is love. He's freedom. Jesus is the hope of the world. 
The last part of the text says, I will show you how to fish for people. This is part of the, the why. I will show you. Jesus called, called them to follow him and to become fishers of people. I don't know if we do that anymore today. He started with four. We're going to get to the next two in a second. And then 12. And then hundreds. And then thousands. Then he gave a tough message and the thousands left. And it went back to hundreds and maybe 50. And now there's 2.7 billion people that are saying Jesus is on this earth today. But the enemy has done a great work in Southern California especially, which is, I can't really talk about my faith. I can't really promote Jesus because... He, he's, he's bad in my city and state and he's bad on my social media page. He's bad in my job and it has set me apart and I'm gonna be looked upon differently. But the Bible says at the end of days and I don't know if we're there yet. I'm not saying that we are. I'm just saying at the end of days you're either gonna be for him or against him and it's gonna be very stark. It's gonna be very black and white. Oh, there's a believer, there's a non-believer and you've gotta make that decision. So whether you're an engineer or a janitor, a customer service rep or a carpenter, you are to be a fisher for others. Whether you're a doctor or lawyer, a teacher or a small business entrepreneur, you are to be a fisher for others. That's our why. Whether you are a student or a Starbucks worker, a nurse or a skilled laborer, whatever you do, Jesus is calling you to be a fisher of others. So what is the call? That's the empowered part of Jesus. He's calling you into ministry. Why? He wants you to follow him. And part of the why and as part of the how is letting Jesus lead you. He says this, I will show you. What does that mean? He says, this is the how. I will show you. Jesus is inferring here this gradual process of training, empowering, and equipping. You know how long it's taken me to be, I was going to say mature, but I don't want to really put myself into that level yet. I'm still a little bit immature. Um, It's taken time. And it's taken you all and uh, friends and family to keep me in the boundaries so that I can do and work and, 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 and become the man that God has called me to be. It's a gradual process. It doesn't happen overnight. But what does happen overnight is you start to choose. Holy Spirit, lead me. Or Jeff Rodriguez, you take the wheel again like you have for many years. Verse 19 A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat repairing the nets. He called out to them at once, and they followed him, leaving their nets, leaving their, sorry, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. So again, these guys are at work, and they're preparing the nets, and they're getting ready for the next day. They've already done their job, and they're preparing, they're equipping and getting ready And Jesus calls them, and the dad's like, hey, what about tomorrow? We're fishing. And the guy's like, oh, we're following this guy. Instantly, this happens. This word, kartazio, means to be prepared, to be equipped. And are you equipped, and are you prepared? God is trying to equip us, and the how is how does God equip us? Well, we come to church regularly. At our church, we believe that the small groups are the community groups. Sorry, I owe a dollar for saying small groups now. 
I'll get you that, Tara, by the end of the day. We believe that community groups help us follow Jesus because we have to come to a group and prepare to talk about Jesus another part of our life each and every week. And so that's one of the ways. But here's how God empowers. Here's the how. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, after he was tempted for 40 days, Jesus calls us, empowers us, and, and asks us to follow him. But at the very last day of his life, here's what it says, and this is the how. It's Acts chapter 1. We hear this all the time, but this is the how, and here's what it says. But you will receive what? That's the empowerment. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And listen, you're going to receive power, but what is your power to do? Is it just so that you can live and post great on social media? No, it says you are going to receive power to be my what? Fishers of others. Where? Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and Camarillo, Ventura County, Southern California and all over the world. I am to be empowered and my job and my purpose is to go out and fish for other people. And the enemy has us fooled right now. And the fooling is this, that I can't share my, my faith anymore. People don't like my faith. Well, the, the Bible says in John chapter 16, the world's gonna hate you just like it hated him. So let, it, let the hate come on and watch the glory of God rise. Amen. So we're gonna worship in a second. But Jesus has a plan for you. He's called you. He's asked you to follow. Many of us believe. Many of us checked a box, said a prayer, came up on an altar call, and said yes to Jesus. Many of us have. How many of us here are following him? Opening up his word, going to a community group, becoming a disciple by going to a discipleship type of path in your life following him every day reading your bible four days or more how is that happening many many believe few follow and even fewer do the work and the fishing for men when jesus is fully empowered in your life i would say that you're a mature believer then the holy spirit leads you into complete transformation mind body and soul and he gives you three things and i want to make sure you walk out of here with this Number one, he moves you from a self-centered lifestyle. I believe this country and this city and this area is so self-centered. Christians as well. We're not focused on God. We're focused on how me, myself, and I and how he relates to me. But we've got to focus on others and how Jesus can work in their life. That's the first thing. The second thing is your motivations. In my recovery, I've got 20 plus years of sobriety. In my recovery, I have to constantly check what are my motivations? And as a Christian, what's your motivation? Am I following and am I fishing? That should be your motivation. And that becomes a God-centered life. And then the, the last two, I actually didn't put one on here, that you have a desire to serve and lead. Tonight we're doing a team night here at five o'clock. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Serve and lead. And then here's the last one, is that every person, and it's not up there, every person in this church should be a ministry leader. Whatever you're doing, you should be a ministry. I'm not talking about kids' ministry or set up and tear down. I'm just talking about you should be leading your ministry and leading others in that ministry. What happens if one or two people today 
in this service and online started to follow and fish. You know what my experience has been? That when one person or two people, and I've seen this happen over the 17 years I've been in ministry, that when one person accepts this challenge, that over the next five years, they bring like 50 or 60 people into church. And out of that, 10 or 15 become believers and stay and start worshiping, get baptized and read their Bible and their life gets radically changed just by one person. What happens if one person in this room got saved today? You know what happens? That person is going to tell everyone and people are going to show up because they're like, man, it was powerful. God is moving in my life. You know what happens when we get mature? We kind of forget to invite and share and fish for others. God wants us to share that right now. So my prayer is that you will allow Jesus to roar in your heart. And so here's what we're going to do. Open up your arms. Big and wide, because God's got a big gift. Yeah, Carol, go right in front of John's face. And let's receive this empowerment. Father, we receive you today. We ask for you to empower us. A big empowerment today. Holy Spirit, move in a way that transforms every one of us. Lord, give us the willingness to be fishers of men and share who Jesus is to anybody and everybody. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, someone online that hasn't said yes to you, I ask that there's a movement that changes their trajectory so that they can learn to become a disciple of you. And all you have to do is make a statement of faith and then you gotta live it out. And here's the statement. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died on the cross for me. And you rose so that I can be in eternity. I give you all of my life, mind, body, and soul to you, Holy Spirit. Help me now become a disciple of Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.